This is the Instant Speed Podcast brought to you by FabDB.net, your premier source for deck building tools, collection management, and simulated booster drafts. Yes, upgrade your account. Get access to all the cool features that you are going to use to bring your game to the next level. All right, this is episode 21. Our guest will be Eleanor Pitera, a wonderful artist who's very iconic work you probably have bumped up against at some armory or some tournament somewhere yes i'm talking about ode to wrath merciful retribution and parable of humility that is her doing ladies and gentlemen not the text just the artwork so don't send any hate mail her way if those cards tend to poke you the wrong way but how about we get to the facts before we get to the guests yes pro quests are underway lots of starvo out there but lots of new gold foils that are being awarded to the winner and what's fascinating about these is typically uh, as we've seen in the past a lot of the gold foils have been legendary cards and they've been exceptionally valuable very coveted pieces of flesh and blood memorabilia if you would but these gold foils are different there's weapons token weapons things like dawnblade uh, anathos etc but there's also pieces of equipment You've got Goliath gauntlets that have gone there. You've got Null Rune gloves. Uh, there's been quite a lot of really beautiful-looking cards that have given the gold foil treatment. Keep your eyes peeled for some of those circulating if you want them. I know that a few of them are up for sale, so you can go ahead and get your grubby little mitts on those. March Armory kits have been announced as well. You're looking at, uh, I think I'm saying this correctly, Genus, Genus, what you need, uh, cold foil and playmat, as well as the uh, Emeritus Scolding full art cards. You can get a place out of those uh, at your local armories. That's what's being sent out there for March. Finally, little changes to the comprehensive rules. Yeah, we're going from, I believe it's 1.5, CR 1.5 to CR 2.0. So maybe this is the Fab 2.0 that uh, James White was talking about. Nonetheless, these new rules come into effect on March 14th, and they are certainly complex. A little tidying up, little uh, putting a little bow on certain things, you know, pruning and just polishing the rule set to um, further, I guess, elaborate and uh, clarify some of the more complex interactions of this game. Because in reality, this is a very layered game, lots going on. So we need a very, very comprehensive rule book. And the comprehensive rules are being updated to 2.0 in March. But hey, that's a different story. We got Eleanor Pitera on the show. She is going to be talking to us about her wonderful art and what it's like to be an artist in this landscape. This is episode 21 of Instant Speed Podcast, brought to you by FabDB.net and BCW Supplies. So how many ProQuests do you have under your belt by now? And how many Starvos have you faced? How many Viscerize have you been confused by? How many Rune Chants have you eaten? quest and beyond so go to fabdb.net fabdb.net is the place you need to be i'm telling you you got all kinds of great content here you've got the collection management you've got simulated booster drafting statistics collection management the whole nine yards friends so upgrade your account to the premium version get access to everything you need so when you roll up to ProQuest, you don't only have a wicked ass list but oh boy do you have all the statistics and stuff to back it up refine your list go crazy friends go upgrade your account you will not regret it the Instant Speed Podcast is honored to welcome a wonderful artist whose talents beautifully represented on an iconic trio of flesh and blood cards. If you were lucky, you may have the cold foil versions of these cards from some Road to Nationals past. Welcome to the show, Eleanor Pitera. How are you? 
I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation. Well, one of the things that a lot of people have uh, given me feedback about the show is they want to see, you know, a, a grander scope of what the card gaming landscape and community looks like. And sometimes, I don't want to say the forgotten stars of card games are the artists. I mean, I don't say they're forgotten, but I would say definitely that there's a, an underappreciation for the artwork. Everybody loves the art, but they don't necessarily always hear about the artists. And I know that in the past, I've had discussions with previous guests, for for example, people like Tan and Grace, etc., who have, we've agreed that the the people who should get the red carpet treatment at a lot of these conventions and these tournaments are the artists. So I want to have uh, I wanted to have you on the show. I wanted to talk to you about the beautiful art that you do, but more so just what it takes and your importance uh, to the community because there is a sheer importance of artists and the appreciation, I think, is never good enough. So I first want to say thank you so much for uh, the wonderful art and contributing to it. And, um, thank you. No, oh, I'm just I'm just here <laughs> for to... such kind words. <laughs> well, they're well deserved for sure. Now we want to start with the origin story, as we do with first time guests on the show. So talk to us a little bit mm -hmm. about, um, you know, your your artwork, where you started, and how it came to be that you became an artist for Flesh and Blood. Yeah. So I mean, like almost everyone, uh, I drew when I was a kid, and I loved to draw. And I was uh, obsessed at some point with Sailor Moon. Uh, so I drew a lot of Sailor Moon all the time. Um, and, you know, it, it just evolved uh, to, to something else. And uh, I continued drawing. And at some point, I just thought, you know, uh, I think I don't think I can do anything else but this. This is what I love to do. Uh, so I did um, a degree, uh, a bachelor's degree in multimedia art, which is not illustration at all, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do at the time because there's there's a lot of areas within art. Um, and I learned exactly, when I was doing that degree, I learned exactly what I did not want to do, which was also very, uh, it's... <laughs> It sounds like kind of bad, but it's it's it always helps as well to know what you don't want to do. Um, and then I did a master's degree in artistic anatomy, which was uh, a lot more my thing. Um, and then I started doing uh, private commissions, um, a lot of fan art. Uh, and then, you know, just started getting better, wanting mm -hmm. to get better. Um, and then... I decided, you know, why why not try to actually do a career out of this, be like a proper freelancer, um, and I'm still trying, <laughs> in a way. Well, it seems like you're That's succeeding. I mean, your your artwork <laughs> is you. it's very unique. It's very recognizable, mm -hmm. and that's a nice trait to have as an artist. I have very little artistic talent uh, in any degrees. I, I was blessed with a big mouth, so that's basically what I lean on. <laughs> but uh, for yourself, you mentioned Sailor Moon, and I have to ask. Um, we'll we'll get this one out of the way right away. Two questions. Mm -hmm. Number one: Who was your favorite Sailor Scout? Oh man, um, I don't know. I I guess I would say just uh, the you know, Sailor Boone, actually. Um, I liked Sailor Mars, but she also irritated me a lot. <laughs> I think because she, some of the things, like, 
I guess she was. Uh, she was a badass. We were, we were, yeah, no, but we were similar in certain things, and that that kind of irritated me. Uh, but but I like her. Like now that I've grown and I can look <laughs> back, I, I really like her. Second question is, what the hell's the deal with Tuxedo Mask? Like, he goes and saves the day and just dips out. Like, there's not a single shred of, of you know, uh, of wanting to take yeah. a little bit of thanks, so. Yeah, you know, there's there's a difference. Like, in the anime, is is absolutely useless. Uh, but in the in the manga, like, in the, the written story, there's actually, like, a nice story, and he has powers and everything. It's a little different. So, when you you know began this journey of uh of artwork and you got you started with commissions etc when was that turning point for you where you decided that art was maybe not so much a fulfilling hobby but could be a career something that you can uh lean on as a sustainable you know lifestyle mm -hmm. well to be honest i'm still not sure that it can be done <laughs> i'm trying and so far everything has been has been good but it's it's been a lot of years since I started doing private commissions and the moment that I am right now, uh, I think I like I had other interests. I for a time I thought that I could uh, do a degree in psychology. Um, I also liked fashion design. Um, like something creative was also was always in my mind like to do. Um, but Art in, in Portugal, which is where I'm from, where I live, is is difficult because there's there isn't really any art industry, so to speak. So trying to be an artist is a gamble. <laughs> um, it's not straightforward, right? It's not no, like, not not at all. You're not you don't have a steady paycheck that arrives every couple of weeks or or whatnot. Yeah. It's very much a you could have good weeks, you could have bad weeks, you have good months, good bad, yes. you know, bad months. And um, I feel you there. I mean, for myself, it's the same way. You mm -hmm. never know when your next job's going to be. So you have to constantly be chasing. But for yourself, I feel like um, you've developed a, a quite a, a style that, like I said, is recognizable. Mm -hmm. You see one Eleanor card, you know what the others will be. And <laughs> part of that, uh, this, this little next little series of questions here is inspired by our good friend, uh, Red Zone Rogue, who is a wonderful human being and, and, and just a pillar of this community. And he wants to know, uh, he, he's just asking more so about how you, you've arrived at your art style. So can you, first of all, can you describe what your art style is? I, a lot of people here are able to distinguish one artist's work from another artist, but they might not be able to necessarily describe what that style is. Are you able to just first describe what your style is? You know, that's, that's difficult. Uh, it's difficult for me to look at my work objectively. Um, so it's difficult to also put what I do into words exactly. Um, there's definitely an element, uh, like a mix of elements. I like to uh, paint some things almost realistically, like skin and faces, and then just uh, add some like very bold elements um i'm not i'm not sure i'm not i'm not elo eloquent enough to, to to put that into words to be well, honest it's fine because you don't need to put them into words right you need to put <laughs> exactly you, you put you put the 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 materials to 
the canvas and you create what others can connect to, what others can easily recognize as saying that's an Eleanor you know, a uh, piece of artwork. And yeah. for yourself, this iconic trio of cards, Ode to Wrath, Merciful Retribution, and uh, Parable of Humility, these three cards are absolutely stunning pieces of work. And I own... Thank you. Uh, I'm going to pull out my... I have what I call the... This is like the binder. This is my show-off binder. Trades from this binder, very rare. And in this binder, I have cold foils of each. I have... Uh, a cold foil mm. of merciful retribution, parable of humility, and Otarath. And this page is never, ever, ever being disturbed because these cards are, you know, kind of part of my pride and joy. These were given out at a Road mm -hmm. to Nationals tournament, and I've attended a few, and I was lucky enough to get one copy of each. And mm -hmm. these are certainly a uh, a centerpiece of my collection. And Again, like I said, your art style is incredibly recognizable, but there must be influences that have driven you to this particular art style or something that might inspire you to mm -hmm. produce this kind of artwork. So who or what are your influences uh, when doing artwork like this? Yeah, the main influence and a lot of people that play video games uh, will spot it right away uh, is uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, that game had really, really beautiful tarot sort of style um, cards within the game. Uh, the, the artwork is is amazing and um, it influenced a lot of artists. Uh, and of course, that art is also influenced by other artists, which also influenced me. Um, like, for example, um, Gustav Klimt and Alphonse Mucha. Um, those two are very well known, so it's it's the ones that I'll I'll leave here. <laughs> That's fine, um, and I'm sure that your artwork inspires others as well. And uh, the I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely emotion that is had when I play mm -hmm. these cards, and somebody is like, "Oh, damn it!" You know, <laughs> like because these. <laughs> The, the beautiful that, that part of... may be that may be more because of the power of the cards, not so much the art. But oh. I get what you mean. Oh, absolutely! And uh, you'll see in some of the comments that we got of people submitting questions just how those feelings for these cards are. Of course, these three cards are an iconic trio of the Prism Aura build, which is again Otarath, Parable of Humility, and Merciful Retribution. These three cards are integral to a very powerful archetype. So, um, mm -hmm. I mean. There are artists out there who get a first crack at the can in terms of producing art for a, a card game. And the fact that those cards are then playable is just like an extra. It's like you, your your artwork is accepted into the Louvre. However, it's in a storage versus actually on display. You have yours front row mm -hmm. center, which is must feel great. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> Certainly. Like I was I was a little scared, not going to lie. Um, because I saw the, the sort of like style of the other cards uh, within like Flesh and Blood, and they were all very different from what I do. So I was a little scared of the reaction from the fans, but thankfully everyone has been super nice, and uh, I'm just very happy that people seem to like it. Yeah, uh, well, Red Zone Rogue adds on to his comments, says it's so unique and immediately recognizable, and I think that that is definitely... Uh, something special about your artwork. Thank you. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, you have these three cards, and I just, I'm just curious how 
you go about? How does an artist go about, you know, breaking into uh, submitting art to have featured on a card? Um, is is there? Can you just walk us a little bit about the process of of being, you know, uh, either does LSS approach you? Do you submit um, to them? Mm -hmm. You know, a work to them for review. How does that process work? So uh, with me, uh, Robbie Wen, uh, who is the creative director of Flesh and Blood, uh, approached me through ArtStation and told me we have like a, a trading card game and we'd like you to do some cards. Are you interested? Are you available? Um, at first, I did not know Flesh and Blood, so the name was kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? Do they want me to do gore or something? It's This is very weird. Um, then I, I realized why it was called that and things started making sense. Um, but yeah, he approached me and then I asked him a thousand questions because that's what I do. Um, and yeah, then we signed like the contracts and everything and the, the process from like sketch to final product um, is mostly like they give me a brief and then uh, sometimes I have questions. Um, then I like I gather reference for everything that I need that I will need to draw. Um, then I do some sketches. They usually ask for for two at least two different sketches, but obviously you can do more if you want. Um, then I submit those and I get feedback and, you know, when, when everything's decided and I've gotten all the feedback that I need, then I move to the final. Yeah. And, uh, you were kind enough to produce and, um, you know, give, um, instant speed podcast, some of your sketch work for some of these cards, mm -hmm. of course, merciful retribution, ode to wrath, parable of humility, the final product oftentimes is, uh, is, is similar to what the original sketch looks like. However, it does go yeah. through a transformation process. And, uh, I, I'm very fascinated about how this goes about because there has to be some sort of connection. I feel where the title of the card has to, to a degree reflect what the, the artwork looks like and vice versa, but there also perhaps mm -hmm. needs to be uh, a little bit of freedom of expression with the card. There needs to be, um, you know, the artist's soul that goes into it, their inspiration, their motivation, etc., cetera, uh, that leads to it. So when they approach you for these cards, do they say, here's the card title, make something from it? What What is given to you as a reference prior to you beginning the, the, the journey of the first sketch? And can you just walk us through a little bit about that process of, um, you know, uh, what you're given and like the tools you are given, the resources you are given, and then how you sort of create this recipe with those ingredients? Yeah, so um, I think my cards were you know, a little different from the others because the others um, are usually very literal in the sense that they're showing, you know, an action, a power, a piece of equipment. And my cards, uh, like the brief that LSS gave me was a small story. Uh, and this story, I believe it's supposed to be, to like be in a, a manuscript in the the library of Solana, uh, which I suppose Prism uh, reads and likes, and then later it influences her, like the the how her power is is visually. Um, 
So they gave me a, a, like a little bit of a story and all the stories had arcs sort of like there, there was an action and then another and then another. And obviously that's difficult to put into just one image. Um, and they gave me recommendations for what they could, for what I could draw. Uh, but they, uh, they gave me freedom, basically. They they gave me a lot of freedom to interpret however I wanted. Um, some of them were a little more straightforward, like Ode to Wrath um, and Merciful Retribution. Parable of Humility was a little more difficult because, uh, it you know, it's it's a parable of humility. It's about humility and the, the story behind it is difficult to put in just one image and it's a, a very like humility is a complex feeling so how do you put that into into an image um the way we decided you know between sketches and just conversation between me and robbie was how the cards just uh, came up the fascinating element of this is just like you mentioned is the fact that like how do you represent a parable of humility in in one image how do you you know like there's that old adage that a picture is worth a thousand words but in reality you're given an entire story regarding yes. where where this is coming from and you mentioned you know these are from uh, a parable from the 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 library of solana and there's some actual there's some there's some meat on those bones that you have to chew through before you're able to get to the core of what you're supposed to represent. And you have one shot at this. You have that small yes. little <laughs> canvas to go ahead and represent this. So it, it, you, are you, Parable of Humility, you mentioned, was a, a challenge. Do you find mm -hmm. that this is constantly something that you have to wrestle with? Are you ever completely satisfied with what you're putting forward? Or do you eventually just say, you know what, like, time's up. This is the This is as happy as I'll be. And I, I hate that I always, well, I hate, I love that I always sort of reference Star Wars at a certain point, but um, mm -hmm. I want to, I just want to reference what um, George Lucas, like the director of, of Star Wars once said in terms of his films. And he says, films are never completed. They're just abandoned. And I'm curious if that sort of applies to your art as well. I don't know. I think, I think that may be truer when it's about personal art, because you know, you don't have a deadline and you're your own art director. But when you're doing something for a client, um, then it's a little different. Um, just the, the mental the mental thing behind it is a little different. Uh, and also, you know, I was just constantly um, asking Robbie, like, what he thought, if he thought that he was, a, a, whatever I was sketching was a good option, uh, what we could make what we could do to make it more obvious or to, you know, help the, the narrative in the, in the illustration. So when you're talking about like the fact that like there's clients involved, obviously you have, when you take commissions, there's people who have what they want to do and, and LSS is no different. I mean, this is just one big mm -hmm. commission, right? Um, yes. how, how much influence does LSS have on your, uh, your product? Obviously they give you guidelines and they look at it. They, and they want sketches. They want to offer feedback and, you know, but at a certain point, do you have any liberties to say, no, this is my vision, this is how I see it, and I'm not changing this? You can't be too forceful because you're doing something for someone else and, you know, it's their product. Um, of course, th there's like a balance between that. But with LSS, like they, they gave me a lot of freedom. Um, 
whenever there was something that uh, we needed to to decide or I, you know, if they really liked something or if I really liked something, we just, we talked, you know, we, we talk like adults, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, like I, they, they treated me very well and they weren't like peaky about things. Uh, like some clients can be a little overbearing and try to um, police everything that you do. But, you know, LSS was excellent. That's good to hear. And I'm glad that your your vision was, was you know, uh, well represented. I, I Like you said, the sketches that you provided me uh, that we'll, we'll share on the screen here, a lot of the times mm -hmm. the, the original versions are, are very close to what the final products are. And that's nice. And I want to thank uh, Andrea Biaggi for, uh, for for inspiring some of this conversation here. He tweeted and, and wanted to know again how how you're, you're inspired for your art and, and the LSS gives you guidelines and freedom. And you've, you've very, very much sort of pulled the veil on that. So we're, thank you for those answers. And thank you, Andrea, for the uh, submission. Mm -hmm. um, next up is, is a little bit of a hot topic. And this obviously is, mm -hmm. this could be a very broad stroke in terms of all art and all artistry. But in reality, are, are artists within CCGs, do you feel, are they treated fairly? Do you feel like you're compensated fairly? Do you feel like you have enough freedom of expression? I, I've heard from various different sources that a lot of the times, I mean, there's been controversy in terms of artists either just not being paid fairly, not being treated fairly, um, you know, when in reality, art, the art of this work is what brings life to it. The, the, the first thing mm -hmm. that you recognize when you open a card is the artwork. It's not the numbers on it. It's not the text. Typically, it is the beautiful art that's on it. And a lot of this art becomes iconic. A lot of it becomes... Um, you know, so intimately tethered to the game itself where you can say something like Black Lotus and you know the card, the artist, you know the game, you know everything yes. surrounding it. And if I say Ode to Wrath, I, I just am immediately flooded with various emotions of, of the decks that they play <laughs> within, but as well as the artwork and the people surrounding it. So do you feel, you know, I, I don't know what, what you're you might be new to, to CCG artwork, but you said that you're treated fairly, but how do you feel overall in terms of the compensation and the freedom of expression that, uh, you know, yeah. um, that generating uh, content for these CCGs has, has uh, mm -hmm. afforded you? Well, I don't think I have enough experience to speak about CCGs because I've only worked uh, for LSS uh, in that industry. Um, but as a general rule, I, I do think that artists um, are not paid well enough. Yes, that's obvious. Because you need a level of skill and so many years of work uh, until you reach uh, a level of quality that these people will hire you for. Uh, and nobody seems to think about that it takes years and years and years and a lot of hard work and a lot of hours to to reach a level of quality that people want to hire you for and nobody sees the everything leading up to where you're at they think that okay you can draw exactly. well and you were approached and this is what happens but they, nobody's aware of the, the the sheer amount of hard work and uh 
basically, I don't want to call it fruitless. It's not fruitless, but you're not necessarily being compensated for the work and the effort and the practice you put in. You can always improve, but no one's paying you to improve. Typically, you need to build your your repertoire. You need to build your portfolio. The same goes for broadcasting. The same goes for everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody owes and you of anything. Of course, right? I just I just wanted to add that of course there's. Um, you know, the, the, the better you are, then the, the, the better compensated you will be. And that's just natural, obviously, if you're just starting out and you're, you're like the quality of your work is not, you know, amazing yet, then obviously you're probably not going to find clients that will pay you uh, better. Uh, but even like I hear people like in the art industry that have a lot of years of, of experience uh, still speaking about not being paid well enough. And that's just sad, man, because they're amazing. It, of course. And uh, I mean, it's not just you saying it. It's not just myself reflecting, you know, that thought process. It's the wide, vast majority of the community are, are so behind the artists that bring uh, the card game yeah, to life. Artists are the backbone of all these projects. Um, if you don't have artists doing the visuals, then like how how else are you going to uh, like try to make someone t- uh, you know look at your project? Like good art always helps. Yeah, oh, the, the the way I, I can sort of put it this way is like what part of the reason why someone would buy. You know, someone would buy like a Ferrari. It's like, what's the first appeal of the Ferrari? It's the look of yeah. the Ferrari, you know? And then afterwards, mm-hmm. people, once you sort of pick the color and the shape and the model that you like, that's the first thing that's attractive to, that brings you to that particular car. And then and then afterwards, you ask about the gas mileage and the engine and everything like that. <laughs> exactly. But the first lure is the artwork that, you know, and, and that's the first thing that ropes people in. And in reality, that is the artwork for card games. You are the the front facing, you know, you're the first first contact of uh, of someone with a game typically is the artwork and what the the visual appeal mm-hmm. of that game is and uh, again I want to thank you so much for the wonderful work you did and ask you uh, beyond that is uh, what your next projects are be it personal or in card games well I can leave you a tidbit Ooh-hoo-hoo. I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you that after I did this three cards for LSS I have worked with LSS again, uh, uh, with about like uh, on something that will be re- be released this year. Yes. If, if yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> now I don't know what the terms are of your non-disclosure agreement and whatnot. I know that um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that if you can show me some some sketches and stuff, that you might uh, come to me and say, "Hey, here, here's a little." A little, little, you know, treat for you to share with the community, if you want. I'm not, I'm not pressuring you, but um, ultimately, I'm I, gonna... I can only, I can only share things after they've been released. All right, fine. Um, so so <laughs> none of that. <laughs> oh, I, and I have so many questions I want to follow up with, and you could, you can cl- just say no comment if you're not allowed to talk about it, obviously. Okay. <laughs> but the first question is, is, is it more illusionist like Prism stuff? No comment. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs>
Eleonora, I'm trying to be I, a real I journalist here. <laughs> I can't say anything. Don't get me in trouble with LSS, get, please. I will not get you in trouble. I have signed enough NDAs in my life where people have tried to squeeze information <laughs> of me. And I'm like, you know I could get fired and like get like evicted, <laughs> yep. right? And they're like, we don't care. I'm like, all right. So we'll just pull the plug there. Um, but needless to say is that your artwork will show up again. And that is phenomenal. Yes. And what I am hoping for, and I know that this is a sentiment that has been echoed by so many in the community, is you guys should be treated like the rock stars in, in the game. Um, I think that you guys are the ones who need to have the table set up where people line up and get their stuff autographed. Now, I know that that already happens <laughs> at certain places, but you guys need to mm -hmm. be the forefront. The players obviously are are like the all-stars, you know, the top world best players, the the Tarek Patels of the world, you know, like the world champions, et cetera, mm -hmm. the, the Hayden Dales, et cetera. These are players that get a lot of the accolades that they so rightfully deserve, but you are the ones who people should look at when they sign up for a, a, um, a convention or something. There should be uh, in big, bold letters, you know, like Eleanor Patera here to sign cards or whatever, things like that. You guys are the ones that should be flown in and given the red carpet treatment. I stand by that. I know that I'm not the only one. So hopefully, I appreciate the sentiments. <laughs> well, I, and I know that you're you're you know you're not one who who craves spotlight by any means. But uh, is this something yeah. you think that you'd ever do? That you'd ever, if it was offered to you to say like fly to New Jersey and spend like a weekend uh, at the ProQuest signing autographs and and stuff like that? Is that something that might appeal to you? Yeah, I think I think it would be would be fun. I would prefer to stay in Europe, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't like planes all that much. Um, but yes, yes, it, it, I think it would be, it would be fun. You know, artists are like closed in their cave doing art. And sometimes it's nice to, uh, talk to people that actually enjoy the work that we do. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them too. And I know that there's, you'd have a, a lineup out the door of people trying to sign, uh, their <laughs> parables of humility saying, Hey, great artwork. This card ruins my day, but still. <laughs> It's it's a wonderful thing, uh, Eleanor, and I, I really hope that uh, one day you know you'll get that uh, that chance. And uh, I don't Thank blame you. you for missing ProQuest because it's in New Jersey, and the only good thing about New Jersey is it's close to things that are not New Jersey. So uh, <laughs> I am on this anti-New Jersey train. Don't ask me why. I have nothing against it. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, we have one more segment, Eleanor. If you'll stay with us, it's mm -hmm. called Go Again. We're going to fire some questions off at you from the community. Are you uh, going to stick around for Go Again? Yes, let's go. Awesome. All right. We will be right back with Go Again right after this message from our partners at BCW Supplies. Friends, the Instant Seed Podcast is brought to you by BCW Supplies. And I am very, very excited to be partnering up with a really great company and great people. Rick from BCW is an awesome human being whom I've met, we've played, and you can tell that there's a lot of pride in that company and a lot of pride with the products. I've got one of them right here. This is just a really cool deck box that uh, is very secure, very awesome, fits your deck uh, quite snugly, all 100 cards if you need them. And uh, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg, friends, but uh, there's gonna be more stuff that I'm gonna be featuring in future episodes. And if you want to get your hands on some great BCW supplies, you can go to the BCW website and we'll link you in the description here so you can go ahead and just click it and get there. But use the code ISP10 to get 10% off of your order. You can use that as many times as you want, friends. Just go ahead and jam in that code ISP10 and you're going to get hooked up. Now, we're going to be featuring some cool products down the line here at the Instant Speed Podcast. 
by BCW, and we are going to have some stuff to give away to you, the listener, the viewer, however you consume the ISP podcast. So keep your uh, your ears tuned to this channel, friends, because we're going to have some BCW supplies to give away down the line. Use the code ISP10, get 10% off your order at BCW supplies. Go click that link in the description, friends. Support the show, support BCW. You will not regret it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to go wide on Eleanor Pitera as we go again on a series of questions. Of course, Eleanor is the wonderful artist behind three uh, thorn-in-your-side cards. If you hate Prism, oh boy, uh, don't take it out on Eleanor. But uh, Ode to Wrath, Merciful Retribution, Parable of Humility, all her doing. Uh, she didn't design the cards, so no hate mail. But time for go again. <laughs> Are you ready for go again, Eleanor? Let's go. Beautiful. All right. I love this question. I usually open up with it. It is, what is Eleanor's hidden talent? I think I'm okay with accents. Um, not spectacular or anything, but yeah. <laughs> you mean like speaking, like when you're speaking, you can sort of uh, fake accents of different, of, of different, like, yes, can, yes. Can you do a Canadian accent? No, <laughs> I no. Canadian <laughs> sounds like American English to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, the further down south you go, that might change. But up north over here, yeah, yeah. Just, just you gotta. All you gotta do is just say, "How are you, bud?" And then go from there. Just start everything <laughs> with, "How are you, bud?" Not bad yourself. <laughs> all right. No, I'm I'm bad at like at accents that I just know really well, like Portuguese accents from various regions of Portugal. <laughs> Well, uh, well, you got to work on your Canadian, and I'll send you some tips. Um, <laughs> next you. questions coming in from uh, from me, I guess. Who is your favorite artist? And it doesn't have to be, let's say, um, you know, drawn. It could be musical. It could be anything else. Oh, that's such a difficult question. I don't know. I have so many. Like even just visual artists, or even in music. Um, I don't know. Um, Okay, I guess I'll just say Gustav Klimt, just for simplicity's sake. <laughs> but my list of favorite artists is very, very big. Oh, yeah. It can go all the way from, you know, uh, Michelangelo all the way down to the Backstreet Boys. I mean, there's such a broad <laughs> Why not? Array. Yeah, why not? We're such a broad array, you know, putting Leonardo da Vinci exactly. up against, you know, uh, I don't know, Nick Carter. I mean, those are clear equivalents. <laughs> <Nick Carter. laughs> yeah. um, next question is from Twitter. This one comes from Art House Syndicate uh, asking, uh, Eleanor, how your flesh and blood art clearly stood out. It was and still is different from all the art done before it, a completely different style that tells its own story. Do you see a shift back to more traditional art in the card game scene? What holds traditional art back? Now, I guess you should probably preface this in terms of what quote-unquote traditional art is and uh, if that mm -hmm. even exists. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I think the what... Uh they mean about traditional art is just versus digital art. Uh, so traditional art is the the heart the art that you do by hand, like oils and uh, gouache and uh, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of some artists, uh, especially in Magic: The Gathering, have been doing more traditional art, um, especially because they get to to sell the the originals, which is a, a nice uh, bit of extra money, I imagine. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if, if it will shift to more traditional art just because 
digital art is a lot more accessible to everyone. Traditional art uh, is expensive because uh, uh, paints and uh, canvas and brushes, all of that is, is quite a bit of money. Um, and also digital art is just much easier to um, change things when you get feedback and that sort of thing. Right. I, you don't want to go through like 20 hours of putting oil to canvas and then saying someone, oh, can you change his eye color? And you're like, God damn it. Exactly. <laughs> so we talked about um, all the wonderful greats of the world in terms of art. Um, you know, we mentioned Michelangelo. We mentioned Leonardo mm -hmm. da Vinci. We mentioned uh, Nick Carter, obviously, of the Backstreet Boys. Exactly. Which leads to this natural question. What is your go-to karaoke song? I think anything by Queen is a fantastic choice. Oh, damn. So, <laughs> Little Bohemian Rhapsody. Just because it's, yeah, just because it's fun, especially if you're, you know, with other people. It's fun to, to sing, you know, in group. The best part about putting queen on is you don't need to do any of the work because usually the room just fills in all the words for you right so exactly <laughs> oh yeah i like it um next question comes from nuder or nudre uh, i'm trying to pronounce this correctly uh asking if you could draw art for any other hero who would you pick and then continues with love the art and here's your favorite hate playing against her cards <laughs> nothing against her just prism herself so um you know <laughs> it, you've done three very iconic cards for prism have you ever thought about or if there's another hero that you want to dip your toe into in terms of producing art for who would that hero be i don't know you know the, the art that i did they they chose me specifically for my style specifically for those cards so i guess my my artwork would not be you know, a good fit for a lot of the heroes. Um, but I have to say that uh, Briar looks cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then, and you know, once was the top of the mountain uh, was Briar. Now she's kind of a little bit of behind the eight mm -hmm. ball, but still, that's not bad. Maybe some new cards will... Maybe this is a hint. I know that you can just say no comment, but maybe this is a hint in terms of what new cards will come out. Uh, no comment. No comment from Eleanor. That's two <laughs> no comments. Man, I feel like such a journalist here. It's, it's so good. Um, all right. Well, uh, I, I like that. That's a, that's a decent answer. Next question coming through is, have you ever signed a flesh and blood card that you've drawn? Yes, I have. Oh. And it was a very strange feeling, but yes. <laughs> oh, where where did this happen? Was this like you were brought into like a, a, an event or a store where you were signing no, cards? No, was... no, someone sent me a bunch of cards to sign. Uh, and, you know, don't, I hope no one gets ideas because I'm not, I'm not getting anymore because it was a small nightmare in terms of customs and all oh, that. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, I have signed some cards. Okay, so if I just send you my binder, you're you're just keeping it. You're not sending anything back. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not even receiving it. It will go back. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't send no, Eleanor any cards. <laughs> no, it's because you have to pay to get things out of the customs, and it's good money <laughs> to do that. Oh, so this is a whole different ballgame. This is why you need to be in New Jersey, so you can sign everyone's cards oh. and not deal with customs that way. All right, noted. Or, L or LSS can do a, a calling in Portugal. 
that is also an excellent idea. Absolutely excellent idea. Hint, and hint. <laughs> hint, hint. Oh, maybe there, maybe, is there going to be a calling in Portugal? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for another but no if, comment. If, but yeah, no, but if there is, I'll go, I'll go. That, that, would, that would be awesome. And then, and then I'll show up and I don't have to do customs because I'll just bring my binder. So it's not that <laughs> yes, you then, don't then like. Then I'll sign it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not <laughs> that you don't like to sign the cards. It's just that it's a, a, a logistical nightmare to send them back. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's a shame and i'm really sorry but yeah it's it's not worth the money or the hassle or the time that it's that it takes to you know figure all of that out all right i feel you on that no problem uh next question comes from uh, greg aka at darth underscore prentice always good for a wonderful wonderful sub uh, submission to the show so thank you greg uh, asking uh, would love to hear about the process in general of creating art for a tcg um, which we've already heard uh, in the in the previous mm -hmm. segment. But um, how about this? Do you play card games, and maybe even more specifically, Flesh and Blood? And if so, do you have a favorite hero? I don't play card games because I don't know how. <laughs> I feel like it's like it's one of those things that you have you have to learn as you play, and it's it's better when you play with someone in real life. And I don't. None of my friends play those sorts of games, so yeah. Um, as okay. for my favorite hero, I just have to say prison, basically. For, for <laughs> I think no I'm contractually reason. obligated to say prison. Okay, so if you had a second <laughs> favorite hero that you maybe drew art for, who would it be? <laughs> no just, comment. No comment. Damn it. Okay, no problem. Uh, this journalism thing is harder than I thought. Um, but honestly, <laughs> Eleanor, thank you so much for being thank on the show. You. And I know that this is your first voice interview, and it was spectacular. So I hope that you do more of this because, frankly, people are um, – are there's this, this sort of void within the creative space of people who just – you know, they know the art, they know the artist, but they don't necessarily um, – you know, they can't really get into the personality and the process. So I mm -hmm. do appreciate you shedding light on this. Thank you for, for the invitation. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure. This is one of the ones that I've been looking for. I'll, I mean, like, I'll talk to Tan and Grace, and it's more of a chore. But talking to you is a genuine privilege. <laughs> so thank you so much. But uh, if anybody wants to get more Eleanor Patera artwork or see some more of your work or just perhaps interact with you on Twitter or whatnot, what's the best way to, to sort of follow your content, to get more content from Eleanor? Um, Twitter, I think. Um, I also have a website, uh, but, you know. Um, we can add the link. Yeah, we can so absolutely add the link into the description of this video um, if you guys are watching on YouTube. Otherwise, I mean, uh, it, it just it's follow Eleanor at, at underscore Eleanor P and you'll see exactly. wonderful pieces of art. You'll be able to have links to all of her wonderful content. So, again, mm -hmm. I sincerely appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. No worries. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of the Instant Speed Podcast brought to you by FabDB.net and BCW Supplies. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you're not losing if you're learning, friends, so keep playing the game. You might win. We'll catch you next week on the Instant Speed Podcast. Whoa.